You're listening to DevOps and Docker Talk, and I'm your host, Brett Fisher. I do stuff on the internet related to DevOps, containers, Docker, Kubernetes, cloud stuff, and this is part of my open resources, basically like open source, but it's open content, where you can watch my shows live every week at brett.live, which is YouTube live streaming. I have two years now of guests. We're coming up on our anniversary. I got to check that date, figure out which date that was for the anniversary. You need to have an anniversary stream. And been doing that almost every single Thursday for two years now. And then last year, I started making that stream into this podcast. So what you're listening to is the audio-only version of that show, often edited down for the interesting bits in audio. If you're one of my Patreon members, I thank you so much. And again, you can check that stuff out at patreon.com slash Brett Fisher, where there are some exclusive benefits for paying members. In this episode, I'm talking with Justin Quinn, a solution architect from Logs.io. That's L-O-G-Z dot I-O. I've known about them for years. Really, I don't even know when I first learned about them, probably at DockerCon many years ago. And they have an interesting take on software as a service for logging and monitoring. They're using largely open source tooling, but they're providing it as an outsourced product. So I guess you could argue that Amazon does a lot of that too. But their take on it is they're using the ELK set of tooling for the logging. Then they're adding now monitoring as well as security. They're combining all those things into one tool. So we talk about the interesting ideas of how their customers use their tool and service in addition to their own open source. We just have a chat about their product, their features, where they're going. And I hope you enjoy this edited down podcast, which does not contain all the demos, which wouldn't make sense in an audio only version. Enjoy this podcast with Justin Quinn of Logs.io. Hey, Brett. Thanks for having me today. So uh, a little bit about Logs.io. So it's, they started out years ago as a logging company. And now they do the whole observability, monitoring, basically everything for your containers and more. So we're going to dive into some demos later. So definitely stick around to see some of the uh, demos that Justin's going to show us. It's going to be pretty cool. We've already been talking about them before the show, so I'm excited to see what it's all about. But to begin, let's uh, talk a little bit about you, like what, what's your background, what, what's your job like? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I started off, I, I graduated from school as a computer science major. Then my, my first job out of school, I was working for Dell SecureWorks. I worked in their security operations center, so doing mainly you know security stuff. I moved on from there after about four and a half years, and then I went even further into security, and I worked for a small MSSP, being basically a trusted advisor for some of our clients there. And then after that, I moved on to, to Logs.io um, as a solutions architect. So, I mean, my day-to-day -day job is pretty much talking to prospective clients and explaining the value of the product and, and seeing if Logs.io would be a good fit for our prospects. Cool. So, you, in other words, you're spending a lot of time with customers trying to see their solutions, figure out if all this stuff works. So, what, what do the clients look like? I mean, is everybody running Kubernetes nowadays? Like, what's your feeling of the marketplace and the kind of typical setups people have? Is it cloud, hybrid? Is it everything? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, some of the clients we talk to are hybrid. A good majority of companies, obviously, are moving towards cloud today. 
So, you know, with the movement to cloud, with the movement from monolithic applications to microservices, you know, the, the increased complexity in terms of what's going on with those microservices is, is tough to see for clients. Yeah. So essentially what we're doing is we're offering a platform for our clients to be able to take a look at logs as well as infrastructure data within their environment. Yeah, and are these people, I mean, are people typically have nothing or are they shifting from older solutions or, you know, are they, are they sick and tired of running their own stuff and saying, I, I want someone else to solve this problem for me? Yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's a little bit of a mix. We do come across prospects that don't have anything in place. They're looking for something to centralize their logs as well as take a look at metrics that are going on in their environment. Other clients come with us with some standard pain such as they're running their own elk stack in their own environment and the amount of time that they spend maintaining that elk stack, scaling that elk stack, doing the parsing of all the different log data can be quite burdensome for them. So, you know, when they come to us, essentially what we're doing is we're, we're offering that as a fully managed solution so they can use the open source tools they're familiar with, but they don't have the pain of having to do all that that overhead and the, the back-end management of the solutions. Yeah, I never enjoyed those days where, as a data center manager, I, I would have to go and ask the storage team for, yet again, more storage because I have more servers and more logs and more more things to track. And it was always, a, you know, we were just constantly using storage. And it's, it's always a conversation where you never really have a good estimate for what it's going to look like to keep your logs over the course of time as things change and grow. So I've always... I've always talked about you'll you'll all the videos on this channel really you're talking about don't necessarily run logging monitoring yourself because it's a job and it's not that fun and so it's it's much better to just not have to worry about it and if you can get away with uh, using a third party solution outsourced whether it's on prem or in the cloud like that's that's always my preference for anybody I'm working with because it it it's another typically the team is already full of to- full busy right like people don't have five hours a week to manage their logging and monitoring solution. So it's enough to keep creating all those new alerts. That's a lot of work um, to constantly improve the logging and monitoring algorithms and checking for the things, making sure that things that broke in the past that you didn't get alerts on, that you've created new observability into that. And that's usually what I try to get the team focused on instead of, okay, now we have to increase more storage. Well, now we need another thing over here because it's not scaling correctly in our logging solution and things are slow or whatever. So yeah, I'm excited to to get into it because I think I I think I met I can't remember who it was, but I I saw your booth years ago at I think probably a DockerCon and I love the idea of it being an open source solution that I could use anywhere and I didn't have to manage, but it was familiar to me. It wasn't some custom solution that only worked, you know, with that provider. Obviously there's lots of solutions out there, but I love the idea that I can go and play with it myself. But then when it's really in production, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about maintaining it myself. I can just let someone else do that. So what sort of things are you doing on top? So assuming someone knows EOK and you walk in the door and they've, they've seen Elasticsearch, um, Logstash and Kibata, like they've seen that setup. What sort of things beyond that are log is logs or logs IO doing? Yeah, no, great question. So essentially again, what we're offering is it's pretty much a SaaS solution. So the clients ship the data to us, and then they're able to just use the the interface. But on top of the standard vanilla Elk stack, we've added different features on top of that, things to speed up troubleshooting. So things like 
recognizing patterns in the log messages that are being sent in order to filter out noise quicker. Things like an alerting engine. So you can set up alerts, have alerts triggered to different endpoints, basically anything that can accept a webhook. And then along with, you know, along with the speeding up troubleshooting with different features that help with data management. So things like being able to, to drop certain log messages with drop filters, the ability to archive data to an S3 bucket. And then we also have some, some machine learning and AI built into the platform as well. So let me back up a second and make sure that we're all on the same page. So I see a lot of buzzwords around. Obviously, logging and monitoring are pretty common. I think most people understand what those really are about. I definitely want to get a little bit into how containers changed all that for us. So let's earmark that for a, a discussion in a little bit. Because if you're new to containers, it sometimes we believe that like, you know, everything changes, but nothing changes at the same time, right? But when we start talking about some of these buzzwords, I see obs- observability a lot as, as, a, as a term on the internet. But I don't quite understand, is that logging or monitoring or what does that encompass? Yeah, so I, I would say that logging and monitoring are two components of observability. Essentially, what observability is, is that people need to know what's going on in the system based on the external signals that that system's giving off. So, you know, just as an analogy, you could have observability into, you know, an application. You could have observability into a car or even your own body, for example. Perfect example of like an external output would be, you know, if you took your temperature and you have a high temperature, that's an external output basically indicating that you potentially be sick. Same thing with like a car. So a car overheats, you know, that's a signal that something might be going wrong with the engine. So it's the same thing with an application. You know, we're collecting all the outputs that an application is giving off and determining, basically determining what's going on with that application. Right. So what are the requirements to, to say that you're observing something? What are... What are some of the requirements and who cares about it? Like, I mean, is is this something that's only for the ops team? Who's usually using these kind of tools? Okay. So in terms of how to achieve observability, I would say observability, you mentioned logging and monitoring. I would say those are the two, the first two components of observability. I would say the third one would be tracing, but just to focus on the logging and monitoring first. So logging would be coming from your containers. So you can have your Docker containers send logs to something like an ELK stack. The thing with logging, you can use the logs for troubleshooting. Most of the data is coming in unstructured. It's easy to collect, but sometimes it might be overwhelming with the number of logs that are being given off from a container. So that's kind of where the metrics and the, the monitoring portion comes in. So collecting metrics, things like system metrics, like CPU, memory usage, disk space, things like that, as well as custom metrics that could come directly from your application. Things like web page hits, you know, logins to the app. That information will, it, it will allow you to take a look at the health over a certain period of time. And then what you can do is view graphs of those metrics to see if there's any anomalies going on. But the thing with metrics is that they don't give context as to what's the root cause. So, you know, you have a spike in CPU, but you don't know what's causing that spike. And then that's where you would go and turn to the log messages 
to basically see what's causing that spike in CPU or memory, something like that. And then tracing, you know, once once your application is is working from, you know, a health standpoint, tracing is more geared around performance. So traces can show you where the bottlenecks are happening within your application. And I I see the you know the term APM is that related to tracing? What's that about? Correct. Yep. So that that's application performance monitoring. And again, it's those those two terms are used synonymously. And again, it's it's just basically identifying the bottlenecks. Yeah. All right. So if I'm new to containers, and maybe I'm maybe I'm not new to containers, but I'm certainly new to clusters of servers with dozens, if not hundreds or thousands of containers. One of the big challenges with everyone, even if they have some sort of Kubernetes distro or they're just using vanilla Docker, is okay. What do I do with all these logs? They're all you know they're all filling up my Docker host, right? Docker by default doesn't stop the logs from growing. So usually one of my tips in a in a Docker intro course is usually about changing the defaults when you set up your containers to you know limit the number of logs, limit it to like 10 meg or something so that you, you don't end up like I did years and years ago, filling up the hard drive of a production host and then finding everything dies because your logs never got uh, cut off. So with the, with the challenges of understanding logging in containers, can you sort of walk me through that evolution of like, okay, I got containers, now what? Okay, now I have orchestration, now what? Okay. Yeah, so I mean... I mean, with container logging, you know, obviously you can log everything, but when you're logging every single thing, you know, things become too verbose. You know, it takes 10 times longer to figure out the root cause of something if you're going through millions and millions of log messages. I mean, with with Docker containers specifically, what we typically recommend is sending logs to a file path, and then we typically run a container side by side that runs something like FileBeat. So then FileBeat can read from that file path and forward the logs over to a modern platform like ELK. Right. So it, so if I was running one Docker server, to keep it simple, am I running, in your case, running FileBeat per container, almost like in a sidecar pattern, or is it one per host, or how's that work? It would be like a, a sidecar pattern. Okay. So, so this is so all that we're talking about so far is really open source, right? Like FileBeats open source, the ELK solution technically is open source, the, at least all the stuff that we we all know today. So once I go to orchestration, how does that change? I mean, obviously orchestration itself is more complicated, but what is what does logging do when I'm on a Kubernetes cluster? Is that anything different than uh, Docker? So for Kubernetes, typically it's it's a pretty similar setup in terms of a, a logging standpoint. Same thing we would run typically like a daemon set. And what we usually recommend for Kubernetes is using something like FluentD as a daemon set. And it's it's doing, you know, something pretty similar to what I talked about with FileBeat and the Docker container, forwarding logs to the, the open source elk stack that way, basically. All right. And when if we go back to Docker for a second, because this, I think, is a, a source of confusion, especially for new people, is that we have more, I mean, obviously we have I can, when you run a container, you know there's a log for it. But what other things, I mean, are we talking about daemon logs? I know there's uh, Docker has like a metrics endpoint optionally, like stuff like that. What what are all the things that are just in Docker alone that I need to worry about? Yeah, no, great question. So, I mean, some of the more important things are things like metrics. So seeing, you know, in terms of how many containers are running, tracking things like the CPU, 
memory usage or disk space. I think those are the most important things just to see if you know there's anything wrong with any of the containers that are running in the environment. But I would say those are those are probably the most important things to to track from a, a metric standpoint. Yeah, and so when you say metrics in Docker, are you specifically talking about that optional metrics endpoint that a lot of people still don't know about <laughs> or something else? So are you asking in terms of how to collect the metrics? Right. Or? Yeah, like like in other words, people say metrics, but you know, there's like there's host metrics, metrics, there's metrics inside the Docker endpoint like the what is it, the Prometheus standard or whatever. So I'm, there's I know there's multiple levels there, but I was just curious how you which ones you track and all that yeah so it's kind of up to what our clients want to to take a look at what we use to collect the metrics is something called metric beat and same thing it's running pretty much as a, a side container but what metric beat has is they have different modules that you can enable and you can enable like there's a they have a docker module as well as like a, a system metrics module that you can enable and take a look at you know the different the different types of metrics that are offered from those modules. All right, and then as I get to Kubernetes, I'm assuming that some of this is actually is it talking to the Kubelet or like to the Kubernetes API at all? Is there any sort of intelligence with Kubernetes? So in in regards to what respect? Oh well, and um, if I were to take a Kubernetes cluster and I'm and I'm going to throw it into Logs.io, is it is it using is it using stuff inside of Kubernetes, the actual you know like I said the API or the the Kubelet, or is it is it just looking specifically for those log files and then the rest of it is really just metrics out of the host and like container D or whatever your runtime is? Yeah, so it would be the latter. It'd be looking directly for the the log files and the metrics that are being output from either Fluent D or Metric B. Cool, cool. Well, how does it? And maybe this will be something that could be for us to talk about in the demo. Like it's always it's always challenging for me. Like identifying, okay, I have this deployment or I have this, you know, this daemon set and tr and identifying that in my logging monitoring solution to all of the replicas and things that are going to that. How does that all sort of connect um, inside yeah. of your solution? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that that's important when it comes to like parsing data. So as that data comes in, we're able to parse key value pairs mm. out of the data. So then you're able to search for you know, specific namespaces or for specific container IDs that are included in those log messages. And then you're able to go through and, you know, search on that data once the key value pairs are parsed out. You know, you can create dashboards, visualizations, things like that from those key value pairs. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so with Kibana, uh, we have a question in, in the chat about what about swarm logging? And what one of the things that I was going to mention, tell me if I'm wrong, well, since Swarm is using all the same features that's in, it's built in the Docker, so it's using the same Docker metrics, the same Docker, you know, logs for the containers, the, the daemon logs, the host, those are all the same. They don't change for Swarm. So if someone wants to go look at specific metadata related to Swarm, like the, the I think there's metadata in there that identifies like the, the container and which service it's connected to and which stack that's connected to, that's all in there. Can you take your own Kibana dashboards and sort of upload them to Logs.io? How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So as a perfect example, a lot of prospects that come to us are running their own ELK stack in their environment. So they might already have, you know, numerous different dashboards that they've created. So when they pivot over to use a solution, something like Logs.io, 
they're able to export those dashboards and then import them into our solution. You know, that way they don't have to go through and create, you know, all the different dashboards that they already have. Right. That's pretty cool because there's not a, there's really, you can't really do that with any proprietary solution out there. It, it, really, the only way you can do this is with something like open source where you're having it on-prem and then you can. The other thing here is that related to this question about swarm logging, there is a great repo um, from Stefan that is called Swarm Prom. I'm going to throw this into the chat, Swarm Prom, S-W-A-R-M-P-R-O-M. And it's for Prometheus, but one of the things it can do is there are templates in there. So if you're going to look at something like ELK and Kibana, what you want to do is you want to look around, and I don't have a, a hot link right off the top of my head, but there's probably dashboards already created just for that for Swarm. And those are a great way to start. Typically, like when I'm looking at a custom solution, like something might be for Swarm, I don't go and hand create all of that that data for the, the visualizations. I usually try to find someone, and there's almost always a GitHub repo with someone who has templates that I can just plug and play. And it's it's pretty neat that because you're so open source based, I can go grab these things and upload them, and it'll and it will work with the metadata because it's all the same metadata coming out of the systems. So for yeah. the person asking that question. Maybe go check that out. Look up some Kibana Swarm templates and see if you can't find that. Yeah, agreed. And, and Brett, just to add in there too. So, I mean, that's one of the great things about open source, obviously, is the community behind it. You know, there's there's many different dashboards for different platforms that you can find out there in the community. And then we've included that that community kind of into our product as well. So if one of our clients has a dashboard that they've created for uh, their Docker containers or for their Kubernetes environment or for Docker Swarm, they're able to contribute that that template for the dashboard or visualization that they created so that some of our other clients would be able to utilize those. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>